Hey, what a day, yeah? Yeah, it's been, it's been a, a mighty and terrible day in crypto. My God. My God. Seems that FTX has just, just, just announced an agreement with Tron to swap one-to-one -to, -one to external wallets for, for its users. So kind of good news. Okay. Let's see how this unfolds, right? Right, right. Well, they, they just announced it 10 minutes ago. The official that, website. Does that mean it's going to protect their users from being out of their funds that are deposited in FTX? It seems that that's the intention. But well, how okay. is this going to affect the markets? We, we, we still don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to get into talking about that today. There have been a number of people who had opinions on the subject. Oh, who do we have today? Show. We've got a ton of people. First of all, we have Darren Swords, who is uh, Welcome, the co-founder and, and CEO of UX Network. I think he's the one on Origin. Also one of the uh, early block producers for the, for the original EOS has uh, great things to say about smart uh, resource allocation and about uh, sound tokenomics, which is why I'm always in interested in speaking with him. Darren, good to have you with us today. Thanks for joining. Hey. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good. Thanks for having me. Well, fortunately, we've got a lot to talk about today. <laughs> we could talk about... Yeah, we're not short of subjects. I, I, I don't know how much, how much sound economics has been going on over at... Uh, at FTX, so we'll be talking about that a little bit. Um, we also have Marius, um, a, a core contributor to do Hubble Protocol. Are Are you on with us yet, Marius? I'm going to have to check. Raise your hand if you're not. Hey, you're on. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Of course, you're that. Okay, right. Hey, how you doing today? I'm good, given the circumstances. Not bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a bummer <laughs> of a day, is it not? Um, we also yeah, have. I did not practice the pronunciation of this name, for which I apologize. But we have, is that uh, uh, Begum Rajan? Uh, or you could come correct by pronunciation real quick if you want. Have, glad to have you here with us. Hi, everybody. That was very well pronounced. Thank you very much. Oh, I did okay? okay Hi, thank welcome. God. Thank God. Uh, head of, you are head of tax with Coinly. Um, Correct. So very cool to have you there. I love being able to talk taxes around uh, crypto because of the subject nobody really wants to discuss most of the time. Um, Ryan Hansen, uh, head of sales for Liquid Mercury. I, I don't know if Ryan's on with us yet, but he was also going to come on and join us as well. Oh, maybe we don't have Ryan yet. But... Hey, Justin, while you introduce everyone, mm -hmm. please, uh, uh, let me ask. Everyone at the bottom corner of the screen, you have a blue, a blue mark where you can drop a tweet relating the space and and calling everyone. So feel free to boost to boost the space. So to get let's get the, the algorithm going. You know. Yeah, that's true. We we kind of have like a show here that works in a lot of ways, like um, a news panel that they might have on like uh, with commentators that they might have on like. CNN or on Fox or something, but um, you know, uh, Twitter Spaces is a weird and wonderful uh, platform that works best when everyone shares it out and so forth. So please do so while we kind of get this thing going, and uh, you know, please take an opportunity to go ahead and follow anyone on the speakers list and the hosts and so forth. Uh, we we uh, we are very uh, 
we're very happy that you were able to join us today. So thank you for coming and joining us. So uh, please don't be afraid of unmute yourself and speak. There's no interruption. This is not like a straightforward interview. We're all allowed to speak and mm -hmm. to, uh, to exchange ideas and opinions. So where would you like to start, Justin? We have so many things to cover. Well, I'm just going to let's start out with a plug because on December 7th, we uh, we are doing our first Future of Crypto live uh, summit in uh, New York City at Pier 60. We can get you a 20% off discount for tickets if you're still interested in going. If you're anywhere in the area at that time, please do attend. I think it's going to be a fantastic show. I know Benjamin Leff is a speaker who is who has uh, joined us today. Um, and, and we, we're going to have a really good time. There are a lot of uh, major uh, projects that are going to be in attendance, so it'll be a lot of fun. So I'll start with that. And then, uh, like, I don't know, wh why don't I, you or I lead off with a question to take us into talking about FTX? I think we could talk about FTX and then maybe talk a little bit about Solana as well, because there, there's a very strong project that uh, has been making a lot of noise about its uh, green-friendly nature and its energy conservation. Um, that just took a tremendous hit this week uh, from the uh, the downfall of well, it's from yeah, the, you, the slide on Bitcoin coming off of the Sam yeah. Sam Bankman Fried thing. You like right Solana? You you support the project, right? Yes, mm -hmm. you sympathize with it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, no, too, it, it no, has yeah. something, right? The people, you know, it has something, but it's mm -hmm. also it has problems too, you know. Right, right. Well, and it's like the way this all went down was uh, perhaps more than than a little bit creepy and problematic, right? I know. What, what What do you think, Darren? You want you want to chime in on Solana? Um. Yeah, I think it's good when it's open. Uh, <laughs> <if you> could... <laughs> exactly. If you can catch it during opening hours, yeah, it's great. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love well this story. <laughs> Could you maybe, Justin, Jose, provide a little bit of background about that Solana project you're talking about, please? Yes, sure. of course. Yeah. Justin, so, would you like to proceed? Uh, Solana has, uh, you know, did a great bit of fundraising and has uh, really kind of made its mark in terms of being another uh, alternative DeFi network. Although, like, I always find that, that term a little bit pejorative because by alternative... They mean anything that's an alternative to Ethereum. But um, Solana, I've written about it this year in reference to uh, its statements like uh, about its uh, level of energy conservation that's offering. Like it seems like a lot of the strong alternative networks are trying to dig out one kind of niche or another, essentially. And in their case, they had some sort of statement on their site. I should look for it now talking about how so, you know Solana can be run for 24 hours for example on the amount of power that it takes to do one bitcoin transaction now it's a little, little bit unfair to compare it to bitcoin which is like eternally stuck on 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 proof of uh on proof of work but uh that that is the claim that they make and they and, if i can and just intervene here i'm yeah, one of the founders of Solana <laughs> and I could, I could pitch it myself better Okay, go. Uh, I, I don't know how many of you are <clears throat> actively using DeFi or considering the trade-offs between different chains. Uh, but Solana is not just a energy-friendly chain, which it, it, it already is. It's actually the most performant chain out of every single chain out there. 
So, you know, the, the, someone made a joke about Solana being open. Solana runs at a scale that no other chain even dreams well, of at the um, moment. Hold, it runs at scale because it's many blockchains put together. No, that's not true. It's one single chain. Mm, and you guys right. say that it's the most efficient running or the most performing running chain. It's the most efficient and more performing, both at the same time. Can you, Solana can has you done maybe some... break down the criteria? Yeah, let, let, let's let him since he's the one that has a, a private no, I, I, I prefer yeah. to do it the uh, QA, Q&A style. So, yeah. um, it runs something like three to four thousand transactions per second. So, that's the most performant mm-hmm. by, by long stretch out of any other chain out there. Mm-hmm. So, Ethereum works in 13 or 30 transactions per second. Uh, Bitcoin has 15 transactions per second. Solana has between 3,000 to 4,000. So, it's like orders of magnitude better than in anything possible out there that's well, question so, number one yeah and, and you've been running a, a project on there for a while now so what has your experience been like running running uh running hubble uh, protocol on and on solana i mean we can offer much better capital efficiency to users right so for example let's say you want to you want to take a loan and you have to collateralize your loan with some bitcoin um, in ETH, for example, MakerDAO or Aave uh, offer the same service, but because the network is slow, they need to give themselves much longer buffer time uh-huh. before they can liquidate your position. And because of that, you can only borrow, like, let's say, 60% loan to value or 70% loan to value. We can uh-huh. offer much better capital efficiency in Solana because it's way faster. I send uh-huh. a transaction to Solana, it happens immediately, it gets confirmed immediately. It had, had hiccups. I, I agree with that. That's, that's true. That's true. But it has been live for much longer and has processed millions more transactions than any other chain out there. Oh. And, um, you know, just to address the issue, you know, people say that Solana is not, is not, um, uh, is not, doesn't have like, you know, it's not open. This is called the liveness feature, right? So what does the liveness feature of a blockchain mean? Is it available for you to transact whenever you need it? And um, the, even though Ethereum hasn't halted um, technically, the fact that you have to pay hundreds of dollars for a transaction to go through is is the same thing as be, being un, uh, not open for business. So when you when you compare all of these things, how many transactions you could do, how much a transaction costs, how long the, how long does it take for a transaction to confirm? Solana beats any other chain by by a long mile. Uh-huh. You want to give us a word or two about Hubble since you're you're just, you know we're just kind of doing introductions right now. Oh yeah, sure. So Hubble is a is a borrowing platform in Solana. You can deposit collateral and you can take a loan in our stablecoin USDH. And um, it's, you can get a loan up to 80% loan to value. So if you're long Bitcoin, you can borrow some USDH, buy more Bitcoin, you can go leverage long. Or you can sell USDH for USDC at one-to-one and get out of crypto, you know, and keep your Bitcoin parked there. So it gives mm-hmm. you capital efficiency. It gives you, um, it frees up your, your uh, purchasing power. Okay, perfect. Well, let's th- let's take it down the line. And why um, is it eighty percent just out of interest? Loan to value. That number. Yeah, but why? Like why? Oh, because we why look at uh, ninety. Why not seventy? Like what, it depends what? on the asset. We have we have even ninety three percent for others. So it depends on the asset. If the asset is highly volatile and it's not liquid, then between the moment when I liquidate you, and the moment I can I can actually sell the asset to go back to dollars, I give, I take myself either a twenty percent spread. Or seven percent spread to allow myself to to uh, to get out and to liquidate the position. And not myself, whoever does the liquidation. 
So it depends on the asset. If an asset is illiquid, then you're going to incur a huge slippage. And who determines you... that number? Like, how is it calculated? Uh, it's 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 internally done by the team right now. We've done some uh, some you know so modeling. A, yeah, but it, but it's a centralized. Like, it's a team that says, "Oh, today this asset is liquid. Yeah. Therefore, we're going to do like ninety three percent or something." No, no, no. It's not like it's not today. It's like well, you know, but I mean, in general, I mean, you you set the risk parameters. Yeah, I mean, sure. We are in charge of risk management. So if the protocol incurs bad debt, then we will have to somehow pay it or, you know, deal with it. So uh, it's not just a mother, it's not just smart contracts that are played there. As, as in, when, when you're in the business of borrowing, you're also in the business of, of risk management. Someone has right. to do it. Yeah, and that's your job is basically risk management of the system. Yeah, so there's a, there's a team of contributors that does that. It's currently the the risk parameters are not open to uh, to voting yet, but they will be open to a DAO vote at some point. Yeah. Well, well, let let's go through. Uh, let's go ahead and hand it over to Izat so she, she can introduce. Tell us a little about Coinly for a minute, and maybe like kind of get an, an opening statement on what I'm sure we all agree is uh, like. Well, actually, I don't know. Maybe Darren will have a different point of view on it. But kind of a debacle. I mean, maybe maybe it's a necessary debacle, but it is it is a bad day for many people to have FTX? Uh, can I, you know, can I just say one thing about Solana? Sorry to jump in. Well, I well, let, let's get through it. Through no, no, intro it, first it relates thing. to FTX. That's all. I, okay, I, I, go I, ahead. I just say this. I think the best thing that can happen for Solana is that the um, FTX or Alameda stake or whatever it is, is just sold and got rid of. Oh. I think there was too much influence from that kind of group of investors over what Solana was doing. Uh -huh. Actually, I mean, this is from an outsider's perspective. But I actually think the best thing, I mean, I think FTX doing, what's happened to FTX, I think is actually very positive for crypto generally so maybe that's not a very well, popular view. all right let, let's anyway, go yeah, with yeah, you yeah, and, and and by the way darren of every so everyone knows uh ceo and co-founder of of ux network which is part of uh you know the antelope coalition using antelope protocol which is in some ways a spiritual successor to eos um which uh you know, he was a, a, originally you ran one of the big block producers for EOS. So that that's uh, Darren's background and where he's coming from. Tell us about your point of view on on, on FTX, because it's true. I haven't heard anybody else to have the same hot take on it. Uh, well, for me, you know, FTX and I mean, not not on a personal level, but what that represented to me was a big change in a big shift in sort of the, the kind of the 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 um, the philosophy of crypto. See, for me, I was always fascinated or interested in, you know, decentralized economies, decentralized systems, um, you know, less, less so much about the technology, more about the kind of um, like the idiom of, uh, of, of decentralization mm -hmm. and, um, and the advent of, of FTX, which was, you know, a great you know, exchange. I mean, not as it turns out, but, you know, for, from a user perspective, um, but that, that, that generated a culture for me which was moving much more to a kind of silicon valley centralized you know kind of play the decentralization cards to try and get a good token valuation but ultimately you know projects became very much you know looked like a classic vc private equity type structure equity 
you know, token holders were kind of like treated like second class citizens. And, 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 and the whole industry was going that way. And it was okay. kind of generated or led by this kind of adulation of a, of, of a very clever young man. But, you know, and, and all of that kind of probably led to something else. But, but at the end of the day, it was if we, the way that crypto has to evolve, um, um, it has to mature. And, we, and, and generally for me, I feel like this is the kind of NASDAQ 2001 moment when, you know, the tech bubble collapsed. And it took a couple of years for the winners to start to emerge, you know, around about 2003, you know, when, you know, Google, Amazon and, you know, all of the kind of the dot coms that kind of made it through started to come out. And, you know, 99 percent of everything else just went bust. And um, and so you have to have you have to have these events as much as they're kind of incredibly painful. Um, the system has to deleverage. The system has to unwind. The system has to mature. Uh, and so FTX for me kind of represented that moment it's like you you weren't you weren't part of what crypto really for me anyway what crypto really is it was a very different different system to me uh-huh. how so uh it was classic traditional finance you know on on kind of steroids you know it was uh-huh. it was doing all the things wrong that you can't do in traditional finance you know it was kind of betting against its customers I mean, you can't do that in, in, in investment banking. Um, uh, you know, you can't get non-recourse borrowing in traditional uh-huh. finance, you know, and they were giving non-recourse, non-recourse, you know, lending, you know, like, um, you know, just, um, you know, big leverage. You're only limited to your equity. And then they're betting against you. You know, they were immediately, you know, um, you know, hedging themselves, as they would say, but they're actually stopping you out um, quite a lot of the time. Uh-huh. Just want to Which clarify here, are you referring just to, are you trying to say this is decentralized finance? No. In any way? Not at all. Or it's just no. a few actors that were disguising themselves as decentralized finance? It, it, FTX, FTX kind of promoted a type of behavior from the investments and the way that they kind of, you know, um, structured their own kind of VCs and the way they kind of got projects to behave which led to centralized type behavior and capital structures because it suited <laughs> FTX. Um, and, and, and for me, you know, it's, it wasn't just them, you know, and that's not fair to say it was them, but for me, it represented the kind of epicenter of that culture. And, and for me, it was, I didn't think they'd go bust. I thought they would disappear from view because I think I thought regulation would, would eventually shut them down. Um, but, you know, I, I did feel that we, we, we were going to get, and we did get a cataclysmic type event, um, even post Luna, that was necessary for, for really the principles of, you know, decentralization, DeFi to come back into, into decentralized networks and, um, and not, you know, not be kind of beholden to a, you know, a master and commander that sits in, in a centralized exchange. Right. No, I, I mean, I, I understand. I, I can, I can understand the long-term point of view. Then, in some ways, these shakeouts are, are, uh, you know, inevitable and and arguably a healthy part of an evolving ecosystem. That that's one way to look at it. Um, <laughs> you know, in in the meantime, the the people who are feeling pretty hurt by it probably don't want to hear that from me. No, 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 no. no, no. You know, but like, I want to, I want to make sure everyone has a chance to speak. Uh, is that what? What's your? You know, you had to have have had a, a initial 
reaction to this uh, pretty shocking news. I know that you're you're a lawyer. You're on the uh, the tax side of of crypto as well. Uh, you head tax for uh, for Coinly. Um, you know what are, what are your feelings about the implications of this? I mean, like I, I can't I can't imagine being on, on the hook for eight billion dollars. I mean, is there is there even a precedent for this? I mean, I'm sure there probably is, right? What, what, what do you, how do you pivot from this? How, how does this, how does, how do you, what, what are the possible consequences here? Right. Thank you very much. Um, so as I have just joined Coinly as head of tax about literally only a week ago, all this is unfolding. And so. <laughs> Good timing. Yeah, exactly. But it is also putting tremendous pressure on our customers, right? Um, because at Coiny, what we're trying to advise is for our customers to try to save their trade history and data, and we can help them with the product that we have out there. Because the whole point of Coinly, sorry, is to help our customers not only track their data history so that they can then report their transactions to the tax authorities in the right way um, and then um, ensure that they pay the right level of tax according to the local legislation. Um, the issue here is that with the shutting down of the platform on and off and then uh, outages, it meant that the traders, the investors, the customers of FTX could not retrieve their data. I understand that it's been about now three, four hours. People can access their trade history. So that's number one, traceability of their uh, own tradings. Um, going back to what you were saying about how do you recover from a cataclysmic event such as this one? Last night, I was actually writing an op-ed and I was thinking, isn't that pretty much what we've seen in 2008 and 2009? There's a lot of similarities. And it feels like FTX became almost a too-big-to-fail type of crypto animal out there, except that it did fail. And last night at 10 p.m. when the news broke out on Twitter that Binance backed out of buying FTX, that was just the beginning of something that could or would have become a, a systemic risk for the whole ecosystem. Um, I was glad to hear that Jose mentioned that 10 minutes before we started this conversation, um, there was potentially a deal that was struck by FTX. Yes, yes. Alicia, are you there? Can you ping the, the, the article, please, if you, if you can? Thanks please proceed. And so maybe we're going to avoid the whole collapse of the crypto ecosystem, and I, I hope we do. One thing that will come our way is certainly higher scrutiny from the uh, regulators um, and, and not only in the shape of investigations in the US from the SEC or the CFTC, it will go far beyond that. I believe that what's happening right now with the regulation that is actually crypto ready. What I mean by that is that in many jurisdictions, and I'm not going to give names here so that nobody feels um, hurt or um, you know too sensitive about what I'm about to say. But I <laughs> Is it Jose? Are you going to offend Jose? He's, no. he's a great Maybe. guy. Maybe I will. I, I try to anything over a billion. I figure it's not Jose's fault. 
no, 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 that's not what I mean. But, but in terms I'm just of old legislation that we're trying to patch and stretch to new tech, I don't think that's efficient and I don't think that's satisfactory for anybody. Not for the regulator, not for the revenue authorities, not for the players, not for the investors, and not at the end of the day. Everybody who has a little bit of crypto in their pockets, hoping to make a little bit of money out of that. Um, and ultimately, you know, having a million customers uh, looking at what could be, you know, a little bit of a war chest, I would say, to pay the next holidays or looking forward to, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know, an extravagant buy of a car or that is just not okay. The promise that FTX did was to allow that kind of dreams to happen. Um, today, it feels like they have stolen that money from their own customers. And I believe that having a smart regulation will necessarily lead to some kind of synchronization between the countries globally, hopefully, about legal qualification of the digital assets, clearer accounting rules, therefore, you know, completely um, uh, transparent tax treatment and navigable rules. That's the whole point, is that at the end of the day, when you need to file your, <clears throat> sorry, your tax returns, you need to know quite simply and quite fast where to do it. Um, and Courtney is there to help. Okay. If Thanks I may for your thoughts. intervene Please. a little bit there. Okay. I think we're completely missing the point here. If, you know, uh, crypto was there such that you can encode and you don't have to trust. That was the whole point of smart contracts. You know, you write a smart contract and a smart contract basically removes the middleman, removes the need for trust. That's why smart contracts work with over-collateralized borrowing and lending. And we have seen no, almost no, no cascading events or no, you know, black hole or insolvent protocols leading to crises because the smart contracts have been designed to work without, without the need of trust. And they're all over-collateralized and it's just, it, they just work programmatically. So I think this whole point of trying to bring regulation to crypto is literally trying to classify crypto as this just alternative financial system, just just tech, where I think it's the complete opposite. Like we have smart contracts, the old ways of looking at things, they just don't apply here anymore. Well, so it's, you, a new, it's a new class of digital assets, is it not? It's well, not. It's, it's two things. One is, first. the first thing is, do you trust to write a smart contract such that you don't need anyone else? Or you can't. It's either you believe that the smart contracts can handle it or you don't. Otherwise, you're going to need a ton of lawyers and regulators and compliance officers. You either need that or you don't. That's, that's the whole point of, of uh, crypto right now. I, I, if I you want to that. put it in your yeah. portfolio, if you want to put it in your portfolio, if you want to put it in your, uh, you know, uh, in your ETF, then it's another thing. You, you trade it as an asset and you want to make money and you're speculating on it. But that's not crypto. Yeah, I may have expressed myself poorly. No, no, I, um, I, think, I think it's the same you. thing. I do agree with you that trustlessness, as I, as I call it, is at the very heart of what a smart contract is, and it should remain like that. Uh. What I'm talking about is once you execute the smart contract 
and how the payments are done and how liquidity reserves do not exist. Therefore, the security for the one entering into the smart contract in the shape of an investment, a crypto investment, needs enough security cushion guarantee that their money is not going to disappear and become thin air. So we do. We that's do not, I'm sorry, but that's just not the case. But, like, oh, hold on, I think well, let's, 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 let's let transparent and everything is let, Let's let Izzat, let's let Izzat finish though. Like, like we we got we've got to be somewhat orderly, or else no one will get heard. So so go ahead and and I'm sorry, Izzat, finish your statement. No, I think I was done. Thank you very much. Jesse. No, okay. So I did that for no reason. Sorry, go ahead, Darren. <laughs> Moving well, on I, to you. I think, you're both, I think you're both talking about, I think you're both right because um, the technology itself, the smart contract itself, cannot, should not be regulated. It makes no Agreed. sense to apply regulation to a smart contract, to validators, to whatever. Agreed. It, it makes sense to regulate at the endpoints. And this has always been my position. Like Perfect. the endpoints, if you're managing clients, if you're managing retail, whatever and whatever the local laws are where you are doing that that's that's your business like that's that's not the business of kind of smart contracts there's something else and um, uh-huh. and i think uh, i think so i think we're both we're all saying the same thing here i, I suspect uh-huh. i like that i like that let, let me take it to ryan hansen he he just joined us he's head of sales for liquid mercury uh, hi Ryan, um, you just did, uh, did a partnership with uh, Gemini on, on a new uh, a new service launch. Can you unmute? Do you know? Do you? Uh, there you go. Yeah, good. You're on the phone. Good, good. Hi Ryan, how are you? Uh, good. Great to meet everyone here. Good, good, good to hear you. I'm glad that you've got your audio too. Um, so you've just did a partnership with Gemini. I assume you're not here because Gemini has any announcements. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no, no flashy announcements for them. No. Right. So, so tell us a bit, a little bit about where you're coming from and what your take is on this, uh, very sticky situation, a uh, very costly situation around FTX. Uh, certainly. So our team at liquid mercury comes from different parts of traditional capital markets. So, Unfortunately, we've kind of seen this story play out in other places, right? So we've seen like MF Global going back to financial crisis with Lehman uh, and, and those kind of uh, entities where the, these things have happened. And I think it's a great opportunity for crypto to kind of learn and, and kind of improve itself going forward where better business practices, probably better regulations uh, need to be applied to some of these entities in order to prevent this stuff uh, going forward. And um, yeah, we had uh, done a partnership with Gemini, really chose them as a partner because of uh, what they were not involved in, right? They weren't uh, doing some of these things like having their own kind of trading operation or sister company that was doing that. Um, certainly, it's it's very unfortunate that there is uh, customer funds that were at risk in the FTX story, and hopefully that gets resolved uh, well for everybody. Uh, but certainly, like, you know, the kind of uh, premise of having segregated funds or funds that are separated from company operating capital is is like an important premise within traditional markets that's been kind of protection, not having custody combined with uh, the clearinghouse, combined with the exchange itself. Uh, it's, it's 
somewhat prevented some of these things from happening, uh, I guess, in the, the way that FTX is unfolding. So we look for a partner to kind of fill these needs. We found Gemini takes a very, takes a very kind of regulatory first approach in more conservative business practices than some of the other entities out there that have run into troubled waters this year. And so feel good about kind of that choice with the way things are unfolding in the marketplace right now. Although it is a hard time to be in DeFi right now. In order to uh, to make myself the lightning rod for for a little while, if I can, so we can all have have a civil little panel discussion here, I'll go ahead and take a position, which I you know at least partially mean. How about I, I take the position of uh, a clear regulatory framework uh, to, that manages crypto as a new class of uh, digital assets in the U.S. is long overdue. Uh, that frankly, whether you like Gary Gensler or want to be beholden to the SEC or would feel better being beholden to a different organization, like the truth is, we know that the that the uh, the structure here, the the real money, would either crush us or try to make or try to uh, to profit somehow off of crypto. And given those two choices, I appreciate you know th- them playing along. But we aren't going to get real institutional money in the, in in the space. This is a uh, an opinion I formed by talking to billionaires, <laughs> honestly, with it, without naming names. We don't have real steady institutional money in it. Last year, we were talking about Bitcoin as a safe haven, but watch how all the really large funds moved away to gold so that basically crypto has been tracking right along with the uh, losses from uh, from the SP500. So like, you know, how how can we proceed? How can we see ourselves, at, our, our way out of this bear market without significant clarification around regulation? I'll, I'll go ahead and, and take that to you, Darren, first. See if, the, if you violently disagree with me. <laughs> well, regulation good, I, right? I, I, I'm not a big fan of regulation generally by nature. I mean, that's just my personal approach, but, but it has to exist. So um, I think the problem you've got is we're in this phase and, and a, par- a good parallel is the gambling industry. Um, way back when, when online gambling started. And the U.S. just took the approach, kill everyone with, regu- you know, kill everyone, put them in prison. Doesn't matter. Not going to listen to reason. Not going to be rationalized. You know, not, not going to listen to the industry. We're going to just smash it, smash it, smash it until we can cut a deal and we can figure out what works for us and, and how we can keep, you know, some control over this. So I think we're in that phase now. So so it doesn't... So, so that really means... You can go and see as many regulators as you like and they'll nod and they'll say, oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not going to do anything. and They're not going to help you. They're going to, you know, we're not quite at that point yet, I, I don't think. Um, the, the, the other thing is that I think people, the uh, crypto tokens, I mean, I can go on about this quite a lot, isn't like any other asset class that they've seen. Um, and so everyone who comes to crypto the first thing they do is they try to make it look like a something they've seen before. So like a bond trader will make you try and does it pay interest or, or a commodities trader was like, you know, you know, what's the kind of like, you know, what's the kind of, um, you know, stock to flow ratio or, uh, you know, and so on and so forth, you know, equities, does it pay a dividend? Um, is it a currency? You know, I think the worst thing ever, it was called a currency because, because it, because it, I don't believe they are currencies. So, but, but, but I don't think any of that is right. I think this is an entirely new asset class that has a very unique place and, and position in both this world of technology utility 
you know, and primarily, I guess, uh, driving smart contracts, which, you know, ultimately will be kind of, my belief, quite fundamental to kind of global enterprise. Um, but, but also as investable and potentially speculative instruments. And so the regulation needs to really come at it from that angle and think, you know, the, the, the rational regulator, not the, not the politically motivated regulator, the rational regulator needs to really look at this and, and, then, and then solve backwards for what needs to be put in place to be able to kind of meet, you know, marry both needs of, you know, retail protection, sophisticated investors, whatever it might be. Um, and, and then, you know, rules around, um, you know, how you sell these things, what kind of, you know, you know, like the IPO type rules should should probably a version of that should come into play. Um, and um, so I think we're quite a way away from that. And I don't I don't feel particularly positive in the short term that we're going to get to that point. I think there's going to be quite a way to go. And I think that a lot of the big financial institutions are have a big vested interest in kind of seeing it not play out quite, you know, as it should just yet until they get a handle on it and, and, and they can share in some of the economics. So, so, but, but I think in, in my, my conclusion is that it's a new asset class. It needs to be seen like that. And, um, and regulators need to work genuinely work with people in the industry who also genuinely understand what's going on um, to be able to get to a framework that, that will make sense. Okay. Thank you very much. Great words. Uh, Rajan, please. Thank you. Um, I cannot agree more, Darren, with you um, for the reason being that, as I was saying earlier, applying 100 years old legislation or case law to something that was invented in the last decade or two doesn't make any sense. There's a lot of similarities. And indeed, the reflex of regulators are is is literally to make sense of it from what they know. And I think the methodology you suggest is the right one. Take it the other way around. Spin the issue on its head. Look at, try to think outside the box. Look at what innovation and R&D leads to in the, in the crypto space today in terms of sophistication of the products. Um, you know, dichotomy between the different stakeholders and the roles and, you know, who holds the money, who holds the authorization, um, who verifies, etc. because it can get really layery from the regulator perspective to the point where they do not understand what we do in the crypto space. And then from there on, um, come up with a innovative new regulation not to regulate the smart contract and the tech itself of course but to ensure precisely as you said um protection of the end user the investors whether they are and mainly retail of course but also corporate because the second you get um you feel as a corporate that you not only have the right to be innovative continue to grow your business in a sustainable manner, without feeling the suffocation of compliance, whether it's regulatory or whether it's tax compliance, then you will grow your business. And in the end, the, the tax authorities will get their fair share of revenue collected because they will get a greater level of buy-in, literally, from crypto ventures, um, 
making it um you know registering their companies in in uh, jurisdictions that will not suffocate them with nonsense regulation um you will get a greater buy in from the investors who will be then filing their tax returns online paying their fair share of tax on this and if they add a cherry on the cake which would be some kind of low tax on crypto assets that would be even better just so that not only you know fair the rate would be lower but then they could you, get you like to it. you like to dream <laughs> It would be it it would be beautiful to have like a low tax for crypto, but I, I do you think that's possible? I think anything is possible. I do think that it's in the interest of regulators and uh, revenue authorities to make sure that we, they cannot kill us any longer. The crypto industry is way too big; they will never be able to shut us down. So. What should they do? Let us live or also get a fair share of what we produce as liquidity, as wealth, um, centralize, decentralize, make bridges, etc. That's what I meant by, by smart regulation. Sure. But, you know, new technology, disruptive technology is always going to suffer from comparisons to previous technology. We've been through the same thing with, uh, you know, automobiles uh, originally being regulated as uh, horses and carts were, which, in fact, they still are. <laughs> and, uh, the width of the lanes is still de determined by some sort of metric around um, the width of, I believe, like the axle from uh, from buggies back in the day. Uh, I mean, you know, or or when we switched from gas stoves to electric stoves, there was uh, a lot of disinformation spread by Edison, actually, about the dangers of, of, of AC current. Like, you know, th this seems to happen every time. How can we mainstream without comparing it in some way to something that that people already understand like that? That's that's the challenge I feel like we're up against. But I think Ryan already like knows the solution to that. So, Ryan, go ahead and, and give us the solution. Then we can we'll contact Nancy Pelosi <laughs> right after the show. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure I have the solution, but I, I would agree. It, <laughs> See, it I definitely, hyped you up. You should have taken it there. No, <laughs> it definitely has to fit into a box that people understand. And when you look at regulators, I, I think that's definitely the case. Uh, I, I think it's everybody's um, you know, ideal that uh, they would treat this as a separate asset class and find the right way to do it. But I think there's just having kind of worked with these folks before a natural gravitation towards fitting it into some box, whether that's like equities or FX or commodities. Uh, that's There's just kind of a orientation there. And it'll be interesting to see how this FTX event uh, kind of impacts that, right? Like um, there's pull between the regulatory uh, agencies in the U.S. already. Um, you know, how does this change that? Uh, how does it change like the applications of people that were looking to do things differently in terms of like clearing and trading uh, as well? So, Uh, unfortunately, I'd say like what looks like will happen out of this event is that there could be kind of overregulation that comes out, which is uh, definitely not the desired effect uh, anybody wants. Uh, but I think that's just having seen this kind of play out before whenever missteps happened. Um, you know, there's a, a kind of uh, overreaction that happens on the part of the regulators. Sure, because people get afraid. Eight billion dollars yep. goes missing. People get upset. Exactly. 
<laughs> um, all right. Uh, why, why two Kappa? Let, let me, let me take it. Let me take it back to you. Uh, what do you think? I mean, you know, like not only from the point of view of what's ideal, but what's possible. I, I agree with, with kind of comments that bo- both you and, and Darren have made uh, sort of offhandedly about like, you know, what, what's the point of just reproducing traditional finance uh, products, uh, you know, with, with exactly the same scope. We're kind of reproducing the wheel. And so in a, from a regulatory point of view, certainly if given their way, it seems like regulators will push us into the boxes that they're already familiar with. What, what's a better way from your perspective? What's a better response to this situation? I'm not super sure. I think this is, I think the we're really thinking about it the wrong way. I think people try to put crypto in this like digital assets class when in fact, Crypto is just a wrapper for the for the whole of finance. You know, you have like you have voting tokens, you have yield bearing tokens, you have tokens which are utilities only, you have tokens which represent JPEGs. This is not an homogeneous asset class. It's literally just new technology. So trying to regulate it as an asset class this doesn't make sense in my opinion. Uh, you know, some some of some tokens are the same thing as like you know credits on your uh, on your airplane miles. You know, it's it's literally the same thing. They're utility. You earn them. You you can spend sure. them. So it's not the fact that it's on crypto rails doesn't mean that it's a crypto asset class. I think we're really looking at it from the wrong point of view. So, <clears throat> I mean, you can have and also what makes it even more complicated is the fact that all of these things are tradable. You know, so. If if these things were not tradable, if you had like a decentralized finance protocol that just allows you to to, to borrow against your house, for example, nobody would have an issue. Yes, but but that. you're you're speaking about DeFi projects. That's not the same as a, for example, a centralized exchange operating in specific countries, dealing with people, leveraging, exposing, creating tokens and collateral. It's like, I think that the crypto industry is so big that we try to say, okay, regulation, and we try to include everything on the same bag, you know, but we have like so many different things to regulate that I think that maybe uh, they should be segregated. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I, 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 don't, I think maybe I, I was trying to refer to something else. If you're a centralized exchange and you pitch to retail, it doesn't matter that you trade socks or that you trade crypto tokens or stocks, then there is a regulation in play. It doesn't even matter what the asset being traded in is if you if you if you put yourself as a, as a centralized exchange. So if from that point of view, of course, transparency and you know uh, mishandling user funds or assets, whatever they are, then should be should abide by the same rules. But that has nothing to do with crypto. That is purely an exchange where people trade different things. It's either it's like Robinhood or 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 FTX. It's the same thing. I, I think trying to put together FTX uh, and labeling it as crypto is, uh, you know, it's like really glossing over the most important differences between them. I'd like to go ahead and take the question to uh, our new surprise guest. It's, it's kind of like a WWE, like some sort of free-for-all today. We, we have a lot, so many people uh, interested in chiming in that we'd love to have on. Uh, I've got Griffin McShane, head of Insights and Communication, with MPCH Labs, formerly Coin, uh, Coinbase Ventures. Hello, Griffin. How are you today? Doing good, Justin. Thanks for having me. 
Uh, so MPCH is, stands for Multi-Party Computation Technology. Um, yeah, tell me in, in, in a, a sentence or two uh, where MPCH is focused with its efforts. Yeah, so MPCH Labs is a tech venture studio focusing on using MPC technology. Uh, our first sort of project uh, company that we've built out is Fraction. It's a multi, multi-party computation wallet. Uh, non-custodial built using our mpc6 engine Uh and so what what is your reaction to the this uh ftx um well problem i I guess we could maybe universally call it a problem uh eight billion dollar shortfall however we want to position that maybe alleged eight eight billion dollars short shortfall it seems to be pointing in that direction yeah i mean yeah when when money like that goes missing uh a problem is certainly one way to put it. Um, but <laughs> I'd be embarrassed all day if I misplaced $8 billion. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Um, yeah, especially oh, man. that FTX and All Modern were trading. It's, uh, I think they said something in their statement about mislabeling uh, funds from clients and not knowing about liquidity. It all, it all feels weird uh, that they would suddenly just you know, make a, make a little mistake like that. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe it's mislabeled and they'll just find it then. Who knows? Could be, yeah. it could be in an envelope somewhere. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but um, I think our biggest focus or really, you know, mine uh, watching this is sort of seeing how this affects everybody else. Um, and I know like there's the direct people who are impacted on exchanges. Uh, it's truly unfortunate, but, broader players um, looking at sort of funds of funds, um, you know, that are now going to be impacted as a result of funds being locked on FTX Um, market makers uh, as well uh, facing issues, you know, the funds that they would be moving uh, through FTX suddenly being locked up. Um, I think there's so many ways that this could potentially impact the industry as a whole that, uh, you know, we have to look at it broadly. Um, it's a truly a turning point in crypto, uh, a, you know, black swan event, so to speak. Um, so we're just watching it closely and looking at, you know, how this is broadly affecting uh, the market as a whole. So from an analyst point of view, um, if not clear, if not a clear regulatory framework, or maybe that, that is the solution in your mind, you know, how do we, we we can do our own research all we want. How are people going to protect against this, especially in cases like this, where I mean, you know, Sam Bankman Fried was like sort of the golden boy of of DeFi, up the wonderkind up until a week ago. Um, you know, a lot of uh, re, uh, of very big VCs were were, were backing this. Uh, so your average retail investor w- would feel a lot of reassurance investing in the same thing that you know Draper Associates or whatever was investing in. Um, it, like, how do we solve this issue if not through uh, a better regulation? I think just promoting sort of what crypto was intentionally or you know, originally set out to do. When Satoshi published his white paper, he didn't publish talking about, you know, how you could leverage and yield farm uh, these tradings. It was all about sovereignty at the end of the day. And I think this gives us an opportunity to go back to the roots of really what got us here in the first place. It was a financial crisis we were experiencing uh, in 2008. 
uh, brought us into Bitcoin. And we just sort of did the whole thing again, except a speed run, essentially, in the crypto market. Uh, so really taking a look at what we're doing with these assets, how we're going to advance this industry in a safe manner. And I think with that building in the United States and promoting, you know, U.S. forward projects, uh, creating not just a clear regulatory system, but a clear support system from the government would significantly help. Um, we saw FTX U.S. not get affected. Um, there were some guardrails in place to make sure that they were, in fact, holding money in the case of these events happening. It was part of the certifications and being watched by FinCEN and the CFTC. So I think promoting U.S. you know, built products, promoting innovation here in the United States uh, is a way to help as well. All right. You know, let, let's let's take it over to uh, to Kappa. Hey, Justin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a story breaking that Sam was caught playing League of Legends while FTX was uh, was tumbling. Well, he's probably experiencing a lot of stress, Jose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet. We are are we are we concluding at at uh, at in five minutes sharp because this is an an insane uh, topic to try and cover uh, in in the next five minutes we we have a hard stop at two no I think we can keep it rolling all right let, let let's let's try and let's squeeze out an extra fifteen minutes or so because uh, you know I um wow okay I don't know do we want to ask for reactions to that or is that or, or are we just abating our guests at that point a anybody. <laughs> Does anybody want to comment on that? I like League of Legends. How about you, Darren? Uh, I'm 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 Clash Royale. So <laughs> I, uh, I actually I got into Clash Royale a few years ago when um, uh, I had to do really boring conference calls where I didn't actually have to say anything. Just so I, I started playing Clash Royale, and then I ended up building a big clan. And I've got like a big <laughs> I've got like 50 guys that I manage. I think they're all school kids. I'm not sure. But uh, I have to make them do their wars every day and all that stuff. So, look, I think that this stuff is kind of like not relevant. It's neither here nor there. Like the guy's got, a, you know, the guy, you can hypothesize he was stressed or whatever. But like, you know, whatever he does, he does. You know, it's, the, it's not, well, it's not relevant you, to his business acumen. Or... Are, are people looking for correlations uh, or, or causality where, where it is not there for, I mean, it, it was kind of sus the way that he, you know, made a few very unpopular uh, statements about uh, regulation in the industry, started to lose some value over that, and then all of a sudden, whoosh, like a, like a big water slide. It was all just kind of coming apart. Like, uh, I think people are looking for a stable of, uh, for a uh, pattern of unstable behavior because they're trying to divine intent from it. Um, do you think there's any correlation between those those early statements and then his actions since then? What's he going for right now? Well, he was going for a power play. Now, whether uh -huh. that was driven through necessity, save his business, or whether it was just part of his business model, but his play was politically to um, shift regulation in favor of his business model um, to the detriment of, I guess, Binance, if you kind of read between the lines, being what, what, how the two really fell out. Right. And, um, and I think it failed. And I think he was, he, he, he didn't think it through properly from a kind of 
strategic, like a business perspective, when he he was in a very weak position with his with his balance sheet, as it turns out, you know. So, so I think he opened himself up. And if you look at this as a as a kind of like um, you know from a business model perspective, he he took a bet and he lost because um, you know Binance basically called his bluff. Right. Yeah, I would I would like to know what do you guys uh, think about Tether for uh, freezing uh, FTX assets. I think Tether's. I mean, I'd be quite bold enough to say I think Tether's absolutely fine. I think it's it's the it's you know it always ends up being you can always tell when there's a local bottom in the market when people start start telling you Tether's going to depeg. If you look back, um, I think you know. My view is Tether's probably cleaned their act up the last couple of years quite considerably. Um, I think the guys that run it are, are kind of, you know, old school guys who aren't going to say things in public that would otherwise, you know, come back to haunt them. They're quite chosen in their words. Um, and uh, and you are going to get, you know, right now, you are going to get stablecoin redemption because people have to return real dollars to their investors and they're liquidating positions and they're selling stables. So, They might trade at a discount and people will buy them and arbitrage and redeem. But I mean, you know, who in the end, this is the crypto life. So who knows? But ultimately, I I think I think the tether stuff is is a bit overdone and it tends to be a bit fear mongering at the bottom when people are trying to press their shorts. It kind of feels that way to me. Now, now you, of course, you, you know, you have uh, you have UX network. Um, and I know that when you talk about it, we, we just did an, an article that this past Friday was published on Benzinga. <clears throat> when you talk about it, you you uh, you have a, an an impressive way of describing kind of a, essentially a balanced machine in terms of uh, efficient use of resources and tokenomics around it. Do you see this as sort of a necessary evolution? for uh, for other chains for other projects out there you know because i have to admit when i hear you talk about tokenomics i think to myself why isn't this the primary focus of every discussion i have with every project because without that machine being well balanced well the the, the uh, system will shake itself apart eventually well well as um you know as um um we uh, was mentioned earlier Not every, there isn't one token that fits all, you know, and it, and it, and and they, they all do different things. But at the end of the day, you know, they've, they've kind of got to be suitable to your business model. Like the token needs to do what you want it to do to to run your business, whatever that business might be. Like it doesn't matter, DeFi, this layer one, you know, gambling systems, whatever it is. You want the token, you want the token to reflect the economic health of your system, and you want the token to leverage your equity, whatever that might be. You know, like decentralized economics or, or whatever so so i think you know just not a lot of thought has gone into this over the last few years and um and the, the problem is is once you launch a truly decentralized system you're kind of stuck with the token and the model that you design and okay you can go to a version two or whatever and vote some changes through but your issuance is kind of done and that's kind of part of the problem is issuance you know you know who <laughs> We saw in this recent um, court case, you know, um, you know, they, they, I mean, I think it's a minor issue. I think they'll win on appeal, but they were saying that, you know, you held tokens back for yourself, so therefore this must be a security of some description. Um, so, so, um, but for me, I think it's 
if you're building a truly decentralized system and, and, and not everything, I'm not a decentralization kind of maxi. I'm not here to say this is the only way. And, you know, because it's not, you know, there's kind of it's horses for courses. But if you're going down the decentralized route, um, the thought and the planning that needs to go into your token model is critical because it's your only it's your only pricing instrument. You know, if you think about, you know, in a kind of very kind of Web3 environment when, um, you know, uh, decentralized kind of uh, applications need to talk to each other or pass, va pass value between each other, effectively like paying for each other's services. That's the way I see it. Um, you don't have a centralized planning figure. You don't have a kind of central pricing model. It's 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 the it's the value of your token, the value, the value of your 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 utility. So that that has to has to be very rational. Uh, be, otherwise, you won't be competitive. If you have an irrational model that um, is supporting your token, then your pricing will be volatile and therefore you won't be competitive. And at the end of the day, your system will get booted out of the tech stack because someone else will come along and make something that is rational. So in the end, competition will drive you out of town. So 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 that's with that, you can have the greatest tech in the world. But if your economic model isn't correct or isn't you know isn't isn't you know i mean I say correct nothing's correct or incorrect but isn't appropriate then um your business ultimately will probably fail um and i don't i think in the last in the last three years we've seen lots of token models that have been driven by vcs and by investors who aren't familiar with what decentralized economics really mean and they're much more about you know, I want to see an APY. I want to get, you know, I want to get 25% APY on staking and everyone needs to be locked up because I want to lock everyone up because I want to squeeze the liquidity. You know, these these are all the wrong approaches, you know, squeezing liquidity, just, you know, staking to squeeze liquidity, bad move in the long run. Um, you know, paying out big yields, you know, either to, you know, lure people into staking or to lure retail in probably worse so that professional investors can get out I mean, that's, you know, and that's kind of what's been driving these token models. So not much thought has gone into the kind of long term planning around what your system is actually going to be and, and how this token model needs to be operating in two or three years time um, when you do have genuine utility, um, you know, and, and so you need that rational capital effect inside your system. Mm -hmm. You know, uh I mean, it's certainly that that that's that's a great point of view and something that we need to bear in mind. I think with more projects, I would love to see it be more part of ongoing discussions. But in your opinion, you know, uh, Bitcoin obviously took a little bit of a dump uh, based on this, uh, based on FTX. Why why is it hitting uh, Solana quite so squarely? And who else needs? I mean, they've lost sixty percent of their value, um, or they lost their sixty percent of the value at one point over a twenty-four hour span. Um, you know, why why them? And who else should be uh, you know nervous at this point? I uh, maybe I can take this one. Um, well, well, I was going to get to you, but I was going to—I was uh, going to hear from the other non-Solana projects first. I thought, you know, <laughs> but I would take it that way. Well, I would just say it's a very technical situation. You know, when you've got a large owner who's probably who's facing potential insolvency or definitely liquidity issues, um, they're going to be a seller. So to start with, you've got a big seller. The second thing is, I mean, again, this is hypothesis, but 
you know, lots of people bought into Solana because of you know, the FTX and uh, or Alameda involvement. Um, and so, you know, they're probably going to be exiting as well. And there's a kind of there was also, um, again, some discussion. I'm not, you know, that the price was held up by, you know, Alameda market making and controlling some of the liquidity. Um, you know, I don't really know if that's true or not, but but all of those things kind of, you know, that's what that's what the fear is, that there's going to be just a massive seller and the kind of sugar daddy of Solana, again, you know, <laughs> arguable, uh, is no longer in town. Um, so I, I think that's how I would look at it. Mm-hmm. Marius, we'll go ahead and go to you. So you, you seem anxious to address this one. And by the way, I, I, I've spoken to Solana uh, founders a couple of times. You know, I, I've been favorably impressed by the project. I'm, we're not, this is not meant to be a Solana drag, just trying to address what's happening in the news. But as uh, the only project on here, Hubble Protocol, that's building on that chain, what is your take on the situation? <clears throat> Sorry, you're asking about the Solana price, the, the token price? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, he was, sorry, um, I, I missed the name, but he was probably right. Like, um, uh, Darren. The, yeah, it's Darren. yeah, I think that's pretty much it. The, um, so, potentially, Alameda had a lot of soul and they had to protect the price of FTT because FTT was being used as collateral for some loans. So, in order to maintain the price of FTT, they had to sell soul. This is this is what is being speculated. So it's pure, you know, price action. They are trying to, you know, if they had a big stake, they would have to cash it out in order to you, you call some liquidity. The, you call this a big, you call this in a statement that I received by email, a character-defining moment for Solana builders. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, the, the whole network is you know, is being uh, looked at as, you know, failing right now because it's being associated somehow with the, the token price action and with Alameda and FTT. So, you know, the these big, the you know, uh, Sam was actually the one that promoted Solana a lot at the beginning. So it bootstrapped the, 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 the ecosystem, which was great at that time. Uh, but now, you know, it's, it's come back full circle. So we see that you know there is there is no more this big fund or big VCs behind it. So Solana has to define itself as more than just you know a VC uh, chain. So if if um, if the protocols you know survive this and build useful tools for people, then you know it will emerge out of this successfully. It's no longer just going to be you know propped up by um, a big backer or a loud voice. Yeah, so it's it, well. You're right. I mean, sure. There, uh, it it has the potential to become more decentralized in terms of who is supporting, and also some uh, perhaps some shakeout in terms of projects that are not as strong, which is what people have been saying about the uh, the crypto winter overall. Um, in order to uh, end on something, you know, like end on a little a, a little bit of a positive because. Uh, Boy, it, it's been a more contentious subject than, than the past couple of spaces. I like that. I think that's great, actually, to get a, to get everybody's opinion about it. Um, you know, where should, you know, more scary shit is happening now, right? And we know that what happens is uh, incidents like uh, Terra Network or Terra Luna um, happen and uh, re- uh, retail investors particularly flee. But frankly, so do institutional investors, where would you have people uh, put their focus now uh, 
uh, in, in order to uh, not be unduly uh, influenced by uh, by the, the negativity. Um, who, who wants to take that? Uh, Rajan, Griffin, Ryan, anybody want to take that? Yep, go ahead. Go ahead, Rajan. Thank you. Um, sorry to correct you. My name is Izat Begum. Ryan is my last name. No, uh, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I could just, I, I like, it's just as, it's I, what I can see on the screen. I, <laughs> yep. Jose did it, so I figured I could get away with it too. But Jose is, Jose is more charming than I am, so I, I have to remember that. <laughs> no, go ahead. Thank you. Izat, please, please, uh, please give us your thoughts. I think the players who are going through this crypto winter need to get their basics right. What have we learned from Terra Luna and from uh, FTX? Number one, um, instead of having some overlooking, I would say, the accounting discipline, the internal controls, um, have that in place. It's not agreeable to do that as a business owner because you want to focus on your go-to strategy, go-to-market strategy. I get that. You want to uh, focus on innovation. I get that. You want to focus on your um, the improvement of your product to be the first, the top, the best, the fastest. Fair enough. But at the end of the day, what will protect retail consumers, investors, what will keep um, interested the institutional investors is how you hold your house, have it in order. It's not about beautifying the bride, but but the, the process is not far from being that. Um, so get your accounting, get your legal, get your HR, get your processes in place, tidy enough that they make sense um, so that your house stays in order, especially when you have a hurricane such as this one blowing. Number two is also to um, try to find a um, dot on the horizon. When, you, when we were talking about tokenomics earlier, um, I heard a lot of good thoughts about how to add some rationale to that. Um, one of the difficulties when we talk about utility token is the fact that how do we value that? How do we add rational in there? Um, you have the issuance value of your token. Then you have the PL value of your token built on top of the you know issuance value. And then whatever is above and beyond PL is what I would call utility slash impact slash goodwill slash number of users in your ecosystem. Um, and how many partners you have and how many VCs back you, etc. because it goes against reputation, good or bad. And so how do you value that? A lot of people, as in accounting-wise, and so therefore add rational into the mix so that it doesn't become just, oh, because I say so, it's good, then it's good. That's the price at $100. Um and I, I guess all that has to be looked at in a bit more details because that's where the devil lies. Um, and maybe, you know, some of the key actors in the market should sit down and make sense of that and try to have reassuring behavior, I guess. Um, that would be my take. 
Okay, thank you very much. We have a new guest, the Crypto Launchpad. Hello, who is this? Welcome. Yeah, hi. Hey, what's thank your you name? So much. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm. My name is Vinay. Oh, very good to meet you. So I, I saw looking at your site that uh, you have FTX listed a, as uh, as one of your uh, your clients that you've supported, for for example. So uh, you know, having I guess you had a relationship where you helped provide some funding to them. Uh, okay, so let me uh, like uh, give you a brief introduction regarding my company. So my company is uh, Dubai-based crypto incubator. We help uh, lots of crypto projects on different different segments, and one of the segment is the exchange as well. Like we list uh, crypto projects on the exchanges. Yes, of course, mm -hmm. FTX is also one of our partner. Like others, like uh, we have uh, like 50 plus exchanges. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's so hard. It's so hard to believe what uh, is going on right now. But uh, as a listing, uh, if just because the uh, right now the era is going uh, regarding the like, talk is regarding the uh, like what's happened with the FTX. So what's our point is like what's our view on the exchange listing is it's uh, the only the the people who is making money is the like the uh, private investors institutions and all and the retail don't know regarding the tokenomics when the coin releasing when who is the majority of holders and this is the main point we are suffering and uh, and in points of like the private investor even they don't want to show how much they are actually holding and when they are going to be sell and in oh. terms of like what CZ did uh, totally we are not agree why he like publicly announced regarding like how much he, he is going to be sell because see he he invested in like lots of projects not just in the ftt right it is like more than 100 projects he invested if you see uh the binance lab uh, he invested lots of projects but he never told when he is going to be like sell uh, yeah of course he is a private investor so he all like he invests in, in project and one day he is going to be like sell as well but why only for the FTT? Why not for the uh, like rest of the coins? Not uh, like why only he tell just because he wants to like uh, kill the like next uh, competitor or what? But it's not good for the crypto industry. We totally support. Like I think uh, like we need good regulations like in terms of to protect the uh, investors, retail investors. Okay. Well, all right. That that's uh, that's great. I, I uh, Rocco. I, I I don't know if you have any. Uh, you have a question for us? Maybe we have time for one question. Actually, no. Rocco's Rocco's gone too. All right. Anybody have any closing statements for us? Yeah, sure. Where uh, where, where should people be focused? Uh, Griffin, what do you think? Yeah, I think the focus and what we should be looking at at the end of the day is control. Uh, you know, it's the whole, you know, not your keys, not your crypto. But when you look at institutions, sometimes it's not their crypto either. And cold storage solutions can be difficult, but you don't want to be on an exchange. It's at the end of the day, looking at control over assets, you know, control over, you know, decision making uh, and governance. Uh, where is that control lying? And I think going forward, that's going to be the biggest piece that we're going to be looking at. Uh, from this FTX event is how we're going to handle issues of control, both for retail and for institutions as well. 
Okay, great. Well, uh, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us today. It has been, uh, you know, it's a crazy, interesting thing. This is affecting a lot of people in uh, in a fairly uh, personal way, after all. So, uh, obviously, uh, any uh, retail investors are feeling very personal about this. Uh, this is going to affect the uh, the future of the industry. So it's something that we'll be writing about quite a bit on Benzinga. And uh, I don't know if, if it keeps being this dominant in the news cycle, maybe we will talk about it again um, on our next show on Tuesday. Uh, yes, J-Rod, do you have anything to add for us? No, I, I just want to thank every guest, every attendee. I, I really enjoyed this space. It, it was amazing. Everything it, everything is going on. It's crazy. And I love speaking with you about this, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and and honestly, just just to clarify, like again, um, I'm personally I, I'm I uh, have always gotten very favorable impressions of Solana overall. So, but like uh, I am a little bit of a pot stirrer sometimes. It's just this pot required less stirring than most pots. <laughs> it's a little bit of a volatile subject. So, thank you everyone for sharing your thoughts and being good natured about it overall. It's really important that we share ideas in the space. And uh, I guess the most opinionated thing I'll say the whole show is all too often in uh, in crypto media, uh, we spend too much time patting ourselves on the back and saying uh, and regurgitating what is already comfortable for us to believe. And that's not the sign of a strong community. A strong community uh, has to be able to take challenges. Uh, you know, does uh, Darren, you have anything else to add? No, I think, you know, healthy debate is what makes a market. And, it, and like you say, it's right to challenge. It's right to criticize constructively. Um, that's important. You know, same, you know, I think living, living just with constant adulation is ultimately not going to work for anybody. Yeah, but 2021 was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> In hindsight, <laughs> yeah, relative to now. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think I missed it, but then 2022 started, and suddenly I missed it very, very much. So, <laughs> any any other speakers have some closing thoughts for us? Give us a little bit of hope for this dreary crypto winter with its latest disaster. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to speak with us today. Next next week, I know that we have uh, coin flip coming on on Tuesday. They're they're the ones who have four thousand um, Bitcoin uh, ATM machines around the around the U.S. So they kind of got an interesting story of onboarding new users into buying crypto, which is kind of cool. And then on Thursday we have Forgotten Runes, which is I always love a good GameFi project. So that's a that's a, a play to earn project. Um, and you know, like today showed, like a lot of these, uh, a, a lot of the speakers that joined last minute, that was because they wrote me this morning with opinions on uh, this particular subject, and I'm like, well, come join our spaces. I, I think uh, J Rod and I very much challenge, very much uh, enjoy like the diversity of voices and having all of these uh, really brilliant people coming on from these great projects to be able to help make these uh, subjects hopefully and their projects more accessible uh, to you, the listener. Thank you everyone for joining us today. You help make these spaces fantastic. I genuinely enjoy them. They're my favorite 
part of the week and uh check out future of crypto it's going to be a great show a uh, board ape uh, yacht club is going to be there yuga labs is going to be there vayner media vayner 3 is going to be there um i believe uh you know, there are a number of chains, certainly Cosmos and Osmosis are going to be there. I'm going to have to keep the list in front of me next time so that I remember the whole thing. But, uh, you know, Jordan Belfort's going to be uh, be speaking. Um, uh, O'Leary is going to be there as well. Uh, Scaramucci, the, those are some of our keynotes. Uh, it, it's, it's going to be a blast. New York City, December 7th. So that's pretty much right around the corner. Please uh, keep it in mind, and if you uh, can't find a coupon code, uh, DM me and I'll get you one. In the meantime, we really look forward to talking to you guys uh, again uh, next week, every Tuesday and Thursday at 1 p.m. ET. Thanks so much for joining us today. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thank you very much.